Let me open with a word of prayer. Father, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come here to worship you today. We pray that this time might uh, be profitable uh, for us to learn more about you, to learn how to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to to be um, mindful always of uh, our position uh, as a sinner saved by grace and that all that we have is uh, from you and that we use that wisely. And we pray this uh, and ask for your blessing over this time this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Or as my kids would say, amen. As I'm often corrected. So, um, welcome. Uh, Just before we get started, though, I'd like to say if you haven't been here the last week or two uh, and were not uh, assigned to a small group, uh, you need to be in a small group. This is only, my time is only going to last about 15, 20 minutes, and then we're going to break into these small groups to discuss uh, some questions and some of the material that I covered. So, if you're not in a group, Please see Grant uh, in the back uh, immediately following uh, my uh, time up here this morning. So this morning and over the next few weeks, we're going to be examining uh, in detail during this time how our lives are to look in light of our great salvation, how we're to walk in a manner that's worthy of our calling, to look uh, more Christ-like in our daily lives. And we've been reminded over uh, the past few weeks how what we often cling to in our old nature, our possessions, our money, our income, are still things that are owned by God alone. And we and they are but on loan to us. So how we use God's possessions, just like in the parable of the talents, we're going to be evaluated on how we steward those resources God is put on loan to us. Do we not one day want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? So hopefully what we're looking at is going to help us um, be that good steward. A lot of our resources, a lot of our presentation here this morning and over the next few weeks comes from Gene Getz's book, and I'd recommend that you get this and study this in more detail than what we're able to cover here uh, it's called biblical, The Biblical Theology of Material Possessions. And uh, Mark Herriger was uh, good enough to take uh, his material in that book and organize it in a fashion here so that it makes it uh, pretty concise and presentable here for us uh, each, each week. We're going to look at two different um, aspects today of meeting human needs that that book deals with and that is found throughout Scripture. Uh, Some of our obligation to each other as believers and our obligations to the world. We're going to look at two aspects of that, both motivation for doing that and uh, the methodology for doing that. Let me turn my cell phone off here before we get interrupted even more. So... Uh, the apostles really stood out immediately among the Jewish uh, Christians um, as men who are willing to give up an accumulation of material possessions in order to serve Christ and his kingdom. 
many of those men had um, profitable businesses, fishing businesses. Steve talked about that a, a week or two ago and gave that up. Peter, when asked for a contribution by the crippled beggar in the temple, responded by saying that he and John had no silver and gold, and that's found in Acts 3 and 6, 3 verse 6. Um, Both men had left their business to follow Christ and fish for men instead. So all of the apostles in one way or another had followed suit, and their example was uh, powerful, and they were never asked anyone that joined uh, Christ um, as their Savior and King uh, to do something that they had not done themselves. So they're modeling this in the area of giving was not only a New Testament principle, but it was uh, something that was found throughout the Old Testament. Both uh, uh, Pastor Steve talked uh, just uh, last week, I I believe it was, about uh, King David giving both the corporate resources that he had available in the kingdom and his personal resources uh, to building the temple, uh, the equivalent of $5 billion by some estimates uh, today. So that, uh, his example uh, was an inspiration to all uh, of the uh, Israelites at that time, and gave a, they gave a willing response uh, to that example that was set to them. The first uh, principle that we might look at, and all of these principles are really called supracultural principles, as, as Getz terms them. They're principles that we find in Scripture, and they uh, overarch, overreach every culture, every time, and apply to us uh, whether we live in Africa, whether we uh, in uh, today, or whether we live in the United States or Western Europe, whether we're talking about now or in the first century of uh, Christianity. So the first principle here is in methodology is Christians should be uh, willing, or motivation rather, Christians should be willing to make special sacrifices in order to meet special material needs within the body of Christ. And that's found in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. The circumstances at that time uh, in Acts were unique and unusual. The Christians had special needs, and because of this, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone who uh, had need. Uh, And often we run into those similar types of circumstances among the church. In New Testament days, it was sometimes a famine, such as the one faced by the Christians there in Jerusalem. And other times, uh, there were other circumstances that called upon some believers to make special sacrifices. Paul faced special needs because of his imprisonment in Rome, and it was the Philippian church who rose to the occasion and met his needs in that particular case. And so it is today. Special needs emerge, and when they do, God's people... We should meet those needs. Not to respond when it is possible to do so is to violate the will of God that we find expressed in numerous places in Scripture. 
The second motivational principle is a primary motivating factor for consistent Christian giving should be to meet others' needs, particularly within the body of Christ. And that's also found in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. So, in that particular case, they were meeting a circumstance that came about because of a famine. Their love for God was demonstrated by their love for one another in meeting those needs. And throughout Scripture, we see that human needs continue to be a primary factor for Christian giving. Frequently, we see directives to meet the physical needs of the poor, and we, we see those exhortations to care for the needs of those who ministered to us in the Word of God. We're commanded to show hospitality to friends and to strangers alike. Following the first two centuries of church history, Christians were eventually allowed to purchase property. They constructed buildings to provide a place for the church to gather and worship, just as God's Old Testament people did when they built the temple and later the synagogues. And I'm reminded of what Dave Dahl said in his presentation that was shown last week about this is a place for the family to meet and to be together and to commune together, to uh, share experiences together and to learn about God together. This, too, was meeting a significant human need a need for a permanent place to gather together on a regular basis to, as the Bible tells us, to encourage one another. Also, James uh, chapter 1, verse 27, the first half of that verse says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So someone that's come to Christ as their Savior is conforming his life to Christ uh, is an example, and is an example uh, of a religious life in a very true sense of the word. It's interesting that when you look at that word religious, it's often used in a context of duty uh, to uh, something. So he has a religious... Uh, commitment to uh, fulfilling his duty. So that, in a sense, should be our uh, an image of our life, too. Uh, that's what sets us apart uh, for those that, are, that call themselves Christians. Let's see. I need to keep moving here. The third principle uh, is that people who are in physical need have a special place in God's heart, and Christians who meet those needs have a special place in God's heart also. And that really uh, is reflected in that same verse, uh, James 1.27. James was reinforcing what we have already seen illustrated Uh, So far, God is concerned about the poor, and he notices Christians who share his concerns by meeting those human needs. When Christians respond to met needs with generous and open hearts, God accepts these acts of kindness as being pure and faultless. And let me emphasize, this is important to God um, in the conduct of those he has saved and will someday reward those Christians that have been faithful in this respect. That reward is not 
our salvation. That's something that he gives to us freely. Our reward, and Steve has talked about this before, is something that we uh, earn by being faithful to um, uh, what God has commanded. After all, our motivation, uh, while in some respect it may be to earn rewards, our motivation really is, as Christ says, if we love him, then we obey him. And if we've been abundantly blessed, we have an obligation to be generous with those around us. Let me read to you this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to pick up in verse 8 and read through 15 because I think it speaks exactly to this, um, that we have an obligation to be generous just as God has been generous to us in so many ways. And it picks up here in verse 8. It says, I say this not as a command, but to to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this manner I give my judgment. This benefits you. A year ago started not to only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And he's referring to the... Um, Israelis, the uh, Israelites, the Jews at that time in the desert collecting manna, and everyone shared what they harvested, what they picked up. So the Bible does not teach that it's wrong to have an abundance of material possessions, neither does it teach that Christians should give away everything that they have in order to help others in crisis, putting themselves in a state of need. Rather, Scripture simply teaches that God wants Christians who have sufficient material possessions to be willing to share with other Christians who do do not. And it also, right along with this, it talks about working um, and the importance that we work. Ephesians 4.28 says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. So that principle is found you know, throughout Scripture in various places and has application to us, that we have an obligation to work. The last uh, motivational principle here is that Christians work hard to make an honest living, uh, not only to care for their own needs, but to help others in need. How many Christians begin the day, each day of work, 
on the job with the objective in mind to work hard in order to give money away. Is that your motivation in working? A lot of us have, uh, you know, uh, sufficient uh, resources available to us by what we earn, and is our uh, motivation not only to, for that to continue, but is it to be able to give more to the church? That really should be our one of our motivating um, um, reasons to going to work. If this were our attitude, our work would definitely take on new meaning each day, wouldn't it? First Peter 2, uh, verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see uh, on the day he visits us. So, you know, the... Um, Motivation should be there for us not only to give to the church, but that will be a witness among those that are watching us too. So let me see how much time we've got left here. We're running out. There's a methodology to doing uh, all of this too. Um, It is God's will. Um, Number one uh, principle here that we have an efficient system within the church to meet the material needs of others in the body of Christ. And you might want to write some of these passages down because I'm not going to have time to go into them in detail, but they're extremely important that we keep them in mind. Acts 6, 1 through 7 talks about um, meeting the needs of the church and determining how to uh, uh, come about a system to uh, meet those needs. The second principle is that leaders in the church must at times delegate the administrative responsibility to other qualified people who can assist them in meeting material needs. That's also found in that same passage here where the uh, uh, apostles came together and selected men that filled the role of a a deacon. The The apostles were responsible for making sure that the widow's needs were met in that case by setting up a proper system. Um, And Paul reinforced this principle in the first letter to Timothy. He outlined the qualifications for elders um, and how that also applied to deacons in 1 Timothy 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. Both elders and deacons who minister to those two areas of the church, church, both spiritual and physical or material needs, were to be highly qualified people. So the third principle here, meeting the spiritual needs of meeting of people and meeting the material needs of people require the same high standards of selecting leaders uh, to meet those needs, as we've been covering. So this indicates the value of that God places on this area of ministry. It's not something that we're to consider secondarily, but meeting spiritual needs and meeting material needs are both important areas in doing the will of God. They should not be separate in terms of importance, but rather in terms of how to make sure that both are done properly. Fourth principle here is Christian children are to be uh, who are able should make sure that they care for their parents' physical needs. And we find that in Matthew 
15, uh, verses 4 and 6, um, where um, he goes through that. And also in 1 Timothy 5, 8, where he says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we have a number of principles that are um, important uh, aspects of that principle that are important that we follow. The fifth principle is if God, it's God's will that Christians who have been blessed with material uh, resources use their homes in special ways to offer hospitalities to other believers. And we see that going on in this church now. Uh, how many of us are able to share our homes, to have um, youth groups and other events uh, in those homes, and that is something that's expected to us. We find expected of us. Uh, we find that in Acts uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, where it talks about the centurion Cornelius and Peter and how he was very hospitable toward Peter, even though at the time he was an unbeliever. Uh, God found uh, looks upon that very favorably. And this does not mean that we should not build church buildings, but it does mean that God wants uh, to use people with material possessions who can use their homes in special ways to be hospitable to other believers and even to unbelievers in some cases. Another principle, when Christians in a particular culture are excluded from social benefits because of their faith in Christ, other believers should set up some type of a system to care for those valid human needs. And that's why we have at this church a member care ministry to make sure that where uh, the government, in this case where there's a welfare system, um, doesn't meet the needs, we're ready and able to step out to meet those types of material needs. Uh, particularly here in the, in the Western culture, these welfare systems are often the, the first uh, line of defense for a lot of people, but in some parts of the world that's not the case. The church has an obligation, whether it's like here in the United States where uh, financially there are systems in place uh, that are available to all citizens, or other parts of the world where those things don't exist. The church still has an obligation to be ready and willing and proactive to meet physical needs. And more than that, the scripture sets up guidelines for doing so. As we've talked about selecting leaders to oversee those programs and to be able to step out to uh, meet those needs quickly. A seventh principle, Christians who can but do not work for a living should not be given economic sentence, uh, assistance. Um, very clear on that. Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, uh, this principle was practiced throughout, even through the Old Testament. We see a number of Proverbs about that. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34 is something that is worth looking at, at talking about um, in one of the uh, interviews here uh, recently about having no filter. This is an area that Scripture has no filter. If you don't work and are able 
sometimes there's other extenuating circumstances that need to be considered. But if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And uh, Scripture is very clear about that. So it's up to the church to decide, you know, when we need to step in and when there's an obligation to uh, address, really, what is disobedience to the Word of God. And and sometimes that goes as far as even uh, 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 church discipline against someone that's able to uh, work and chooses not to. A ninth uh, and an eighth or a ninth principle is uh, the selection of people who receive consistent help from the church should be based on specific guidelines, just like there were guidelines for selecting people that administer these programs. The church should make, first of all, sure that there's no other sources of support, and secondly, that uh, they should be looking, those people should be looking to their own families first for assistance. And we find that also in 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 through 16. A tenth principle is that all Christians are to show hospitality, not only to those believers in a specific Christian community, meaning like this church, but to those who um, they may know personally that are also believers, uh, just as a lot of times we're meeting needs and filling uh, um, uh, areas that they're deficit of our uh, missionaries on the field. A lot of times those men uh, aren't earning an income that they're able to provide for their families uh, sufficiently. And so the things that we do, like CIO, is an additional blessing to them. And the monthly support that we provide for those men is something that uh, we're meeting uh, some needs in the extended community of people that are not part of this uh, particular body here. My time is way up here. We need to have some time for our small groups. Let me close in prayer, and you can break up into those groups, and the men will uh, pass out the questions we have regarding some of these principles we've been talking about this morning. Father, thank you for uh, outlining uh, all of these things and how we are to conduct ourselves as uh, men and women that uh, declare we are followers of Christ. We pray that we might be consistent uh, and faithful in following uh, these principles. We pray that we might come to understand your plan for each of us to be generous with each other just as Uh, You have been uh, generous with us. Father, we pray that this is not just head knowledge, but that we uh, demonstrate um, what we think, what we believe by what we do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.